Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Well, pre record on my count. I'm fixing to be on there. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Eagle Hour. We're broadcasting live today from our Southern Bank Corps studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us on what is a rather sad day uh, for the Golden Eagle Nation uh, because of the passing, of course, of a head uh, baseball coach, former head coach, Corky Palmer, who uh, passed away yesterday afternoon after a, a lengthy health fight. And uh, really put up uh, quite the fight, as uh, you would expect. I, I guess no one knows uh, new coach uh, any better uh, than the current head baseball coach, uh, Scott Berry. And, uh, Coach, I appreciate you uh, being willing to come on today. I I guess uh, we can start by just uh, kind of refreshing us how you and uh, how you and Coach got together, how long you were together, and, uh, and what your thoughts are today. Well, you know, um, thanks for having me on, Bob. Obviously, it's, it's a day that we all mourn uh, in the loss of Corky, a true legend of uh, in South Mississippi, in the state of Mississippi. I mean, he was a great mentor to me, one of my best friends. He was like a brother. And, you know, that relationship started in uh, 1990, actually in January that year at the ABCA uh, Coaches Clinic in Nashville where Phil Denson and, and his staff, Doug Lambeth and Charlie Gray, we all got together. I was at Southwest Missouri at the time and and uh, just Burt Stevens was, was Corky's assistant at, at Meridian and we just started the friendship right there and then of course uh, that, that summer July of 1996, months later the assistant's position came open. I applied for it he gave a, a young kid, a 28-year-old kid from Missouri, that he had no uh, a prior relationship outside of uh, about a three- or four-day period in Nashville and, and gave me an opportunity to, to work and learn right beside him there at Meridian uh, Community College. And for that, Bob, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that the Lord led those paths, our, our two paths to cross, because it really was a, a truly an amazing relationship uh, from that point on for the next 32 years. And and I do know, Coach, that uh, throughout his health struggles over the past uh, year, year and a half, uh, you've been you've been by his bedside a lot. So yesterday, I, I know you knew what was coming, but I'm sure yesterday was uh, sad for you like all of us. Well, I tell you, man, uh, I, I certainly wasn't there as much as I wanted to be or could be in that year, uh, two years. Actually, today is the anniversary, the two-year anniversary of when the stroke happened, and uh, it was one day shy of, of two years. So 
Uh, I spent as much time as I could with him, and uh, up till a few months ago, he was very alert and uh, understood everything and could really carry on a conversation. But slowly, over the last couple of three months, you could see that things were deteriorating. He was becoming weaker, and uh, the last time I saw him was uh, Monday morning. Um, before I had to go to New Orleans for the conference meetings, and and I knew at that time that it was it was really close. Coach Barry, this is uh, uh, Kelly Sander, and and continuing our discussion about um, the late Corky Palmer. You know, Hill Denson probably. I think it's it's fair to say that Hill Denson kind of kind of put Southern Miss baseball on the map because of his marketing skills as well as as well as a baseball coach. But I think coach under Coach Palmer, the the program was legitimized uh, countrywide but Corky would even tell you he wasn't the best looking guy he certainly wasn't a, a, a you know a guy that's out there shaking a lot of hands and wowing a lot of people with speeches but what was it about his skill set that that did legitimize the Southern Miss baseball program on a nationwide scale well I just think it was it was his his uh, commitment to excellence. It was his commitment to to find players that were blue collar that played tough, like like he wanted. You know, his coaching style certainly wasn't for everybody. Uh, certainly wasn't for today's world. I can assure you, because he, uh, you know, he was in your face and knock you down, and and you better get back up. But let me tell you something. The many of those that got back up have the most respect for him than anybody, and they'll tell you today they are what they are because of him and his leadership style and, and what they uh, they learned from him. He was a great mentor, like I said, to me and all the other assistant coaches that worked under him. But more importantly, uh, you know, there's a few of us on the staff, and there's a whole bunch of players, 35. So what you impact over each year with those players and then what happens from there is is what we're seeing today out there and he was he was a molder of men that's what i think more than anything people think that uh you know that everything's about wins and losses what we do but he he was old school you know there was a different goal in mind and, and that was not only to uh to develop winners on the field but prepare young men for life after after that be good husbands be good citizens and those are the things that, that made him proud and and that he wanted to impact uh, those lives with Luke? Coach, um, Corky was the personality, of course, and that's where all the stories come from. But I think sometimes what got lost in the personality was there were very few people that knew as much about baseball as him. And just he, he, he was not only a, a teacher of the game, he was a student of the game and just loved baseball. And this goes back to even when he was a child. Oh, no doubt. Uh, you know, in the stories, like I said, I picked up on his life when he was 36 years old and I was 38. Uh, so I didn't know the, the first, those first years, but talking to his friends, uh, certainly that's what he was. He was a student of the game. His dad was a little league coach, punchy, that was tough, just like him, that everybody said. He was a splitting image of his dad. And, uh, you know, he was the guy that read the box scores every day when they came out. He, you know, he knew how to dissect everything in the game of baseball and wanted to know the most he could. He, he watched it every night. You know, it was, uh, 
early on talking to Ted. I knew that he was a Yankees fan early on, and then uh, Ted kind of laughed. He said, well, when the Yankees started losing and didn't carry their championships, he jumped over to the big red machine, and he kind of worked his way. <laughs> kind of chased the winners, but obviously ended up with Bobby Cox. He was a huge Bobby Cox fan and enjoyed that championship there in, in 1995, I believe it was, in 96. And, you know, he celebrated it with it because he was a diehard hard Braves fan, but he followed baseball at all levels. And, you know, I think the thing that's important to note is that here's a man who loved the state of Mississippi. He loved Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where he grew up and he ended up. Uh, he loved Southern Miss, where he, he dreamed of, of playing and, and dreamed of being the head coach one day. But all of his work was done in the state of Mississippi on all levels, from high school to, to junior college to Division One. So not many people can say that and, and, and be able to do what he was able to do. And coach Barry, I hear tell you know that his younger brother Dale, who passed away many, many years ago at a very young age, I think Dale was in his 20s, when he passed away uh, from complications of, of some sort of disease. But the Dale, had he had the opportunity to live, may have been even better than Corky. Well, Corky was the first one to tell me that. I mean, he made no bones about it, that Dale was the heck of an athlete in the family, much better than him. And unfortunately, it was an untimely death for, for him and, and a devastating time for that whole family to lose the youngest brother. But, you know, he, he really bragged on Dale, um, you know, and, and, of course, Ted and Mike still survive, his other two brothers. and and But but he loved his family. He loved his mom. He loved his dad. And, you know, you, you couldn't be uh, couldn't be more proud to, to have a friend like, like Cork. Well, him and Dale are, are meeting up today, I'm sure. Right. Uh, Coach, uh, real quickly, I, my, my favorite memory of him, and Luke was with me, we were at the Conference USA Baseball Tournament in Biloxi the year they were having so many rain delays because of lightning out in the Gulf. And I remember Coach up in the ear of one of the conference officials going, my God, I used to sit on the beach in aluminum chairs to watch the lightning hit the water. And now you're going to stop ball because it's 20 miles out in the Gulf. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing. You know, he uh, he he made himself known. He wasn't going to hold back what he said. And uh, but you know, he was uh, he was a man that you know we're all going to, to miss. And I'll tell you the the number of text messages that that I have gotten from from people that that love him and knew him, from players to fans to assistant coaches to, to reading the comments about him and. You know, Billy Graham once said that a coach will impact more lives in one year than a than than any normal human being will in a lifetime. And you know, I said, man, that's pretty pretty impressive when I saw that one time, and I always remembered that. But you know, to see these text messages and and everything on social media and the comments, you know, I think the old Billy Graham may have been right. You know, in this case with uh, with Corky Palmer. Coach, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, guys. All right. Coach uh, Scott Berry, uh, the life and times of uh, Coach Palmer would uh, always be an icon here in Southern Miss. Uh, we'll be right back.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. I want to thank baseball coach Scott Berry for joining us. I know that was not an easy segment for him, and I really do appreciate the, him coming on today. That segment was sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, where you can cater your next event or feed your family well. They're open seven days a week right by the mall in Hattiesburg. Also want to say hello to Kathleen and the guys down at Campus Bookmark. I guarantee you the football apparel is arriving every day, and uh, there's no friendlier person on the planet than Miss Kathleen. They're located on Hardy Street. You can also shop them online at campusbookmart.net. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com, normally on Wednesday, joins us on Thursday. The timing is is probably good uh, in light of the passing of uh, Coach Palmer. Patrick, I know that uh, you have your own memories of Coach Palmer. You covered the 2009 uh World Series team, uh, your thoughts about Corky Palmer and, and where he'll go down in history? Yeah, well, I mean, he's, I mean, Southern Miss baseball would be nowhere near where it is today, but without Corky Palmer, a lot of credit goes to Hill Denson, and rightfully, but it, it was really Corky Palmer that put the program on its path, uh, led the team to the College World Series, really kind of put a program in the position where they can really go out and recruit and get some of the best players in the in the region. So, uh, Corky Palmer is, is, is a great credit, and he was he was a true original uh, as a personality and as a man and uh, as a baseball coach. I mean, there's, you, you're just not going to meet another Corky Palmer uh, no, in this profession. Uh, he was he was a character and and he was always you know good humored and had something funny to say. It was always frustrating to meet some of the other writers. Like if you asked Corky a question, he was going to give you a, a humdrum answer. But as soon as you know the reporter was off, said they talked to him. He he gives you a bunch of you know good stuff, stuff that you couldn't use. Uh, but yeah, he was. He, there was always you know, Corky always had good stories to tell, and you always heard a lot of people kind of tell stories about Corky that made you laugh. You know, he was just a really entertaining, interesting guy and a good guy, and uh, who was really good and loyal to his, his the guys that played for him. No question, and, and they, coach with him, and they love him. There's no doubt. You know, guys, I right. was thinking uh, last night about. Um, about his passing and that, that he that he joins Bobby Collins, who passed just a few months ago, and M.K. Turk, who had passed uh, several years ago, really as the, in my view, the three iconic coaches that are no longer with us in the three major sports, Kelly, at Southern Miss. That, that's, uh, now that you mention it, yeah, you, I, for sure. Now, I, w- I would include... Probably include Hill Denson, you know, in that group. No, I'm talking about that are no yeah. longer. Oh yeah, that yeah, have passed, yeah, that have passed. Yeah, it's it's uh, and and another icon, you know, Ray Guy is, you know, his health has not been yeah. good either. Um, so we wish him the best. But but yeah, that's that's quite a group. Yeah, there's no question. It'd be hard to argue with that, huh, Patrick? Uh, those were three guys that'll always be remembered in Southern Miss sports history. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Collins is somebody I got to know a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, some interviews with him. He was always a very good, you know, very good guy, very much a gentleman. And Corky was just always, you know, I remember whenever Larry Stacy was at Southern Miss, he and Corky were, were good buds, actually. And they just, I think part of it was Larry just liked to hear what, you know, Corky had to say. Corky always just had that. The sense of humor was never, you know, he didn't have a moment whenever Corky wasn't trying to crack a joke. You know, he was mm-hmm. just that guy. I mean, I, I, I always often wanted to have the opportunity to kind of sit in the dugout to hear what he had to say, and Lord knows he probably wouldn't want me to hear half the things he said, but he was just always an entertaining character and somebody that, you know, if you meet Corky Palmer and you got to spend a lot of time with him, he's somebody that you're not going to forget. 
No you know, question. I mean, I've come across a lot of coaches and assistants who, you know, yeah, I might remember him, this and that, but Corky Palmer was just really an unforgettable character. Uh, Luke, a little bigger than life in a lot of ways. Yeah, what I remember uh, first about him is when I was at Southern Miss, Po'boy Express was not out in Oak Grove like it is now. It was right across Highway 49. And um, I would go in there from time to time. Every, I, I, I think every time I ever went in Po'boy Express right across Highway 49, <laughs> Coach Palmer was in there and was just with a bunch of dudes. And people talk about just – how you know how these guys hang out at like Hardee's at six thirty in the morning? That was his spot, and the stuff that he would tell uh, was just amazing. And and Patrick, when you look at you know his life, I mean, Hattiesburg, Mississippi is Corky Palmer. Corky Palmer is is yeah. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And you look at the relationship between Denson and Palmer, Palmer and Barry, and that is really the you know what has caused so- Southern Miss baseball to be you know so concrete and, and solid for such a long time. Right, and like you said, Corky is that Hattiesburg guy. And I think that's really set the program up to, you know, and Hattiesburg and the community surrounding are so important uh, to the Southern Miss baseball program because program, there's so much talent within that little bubble. And Corky really kind of laid the groundwork uh, for Southern Miss baseball to bring through some of the, the better players they've had through there. I mean, he's just built those community ties, that community engagement. And that all started with Corky Palmer. Of course, Hill did a lot of work with that, but I felt like Corky really kind of uh, grew that and really made Southern Miss a hometown program. And uh, that that's really kind of established the program uh, for the success they're having today. And, Bob, you know, through what so many people did over these last two years, we saw how much the community loved him back. with The love that he showed towards Southern Miss and Hattiesburg uh, we saw that, you know, as people rallied to his calls the last two years. Well, no question. When we did the fundraiser with Melissa Sosha, i got to be honest, guys, I was blown away with how people responded. That raised over $30,000 in a period of about six weeks. You know, if, if there's a silver lining in this, it's the fact that Corky had the presence of mind to retire at a young age. Mm-hmm. I mean, he passed at 68, but Coach Barry's been there for how long? Yeah. So really, Corky retired in his, you know, 50s, early 50s, to where he could, you know, not knowing what the future would hold, he at least got to spend some time in retirement and do some of the things that he enjoyed, even if it was just going to ball games as a spectator. But he had the presence of mind to retire early. And I think lots of times people forget that. You know, that, oh, I'm, I'm going to wait and retire when I'm 70. Well, you don't know what your health is going to be, right? you know. But I don't know that he was a spectator. He kind of held court when he was at the baseball games. <laughs> yeah, but but he didn't yeah. have to worry about whether he had a job the next day or not. You no. know, and he didn't have but, to worry about buying a ticket, did he, Pat? <laughs> no. no, no, and he was. I think part of the went in the decision to retire is because it's a physical job uh, to be a college baseball coach, and he was getting you know older at fifty eight. And, and Corky obviously wasn't the most agile guy as he got older. Uh, he he had those long walks out to the mouth, whatever he wanted to yank. He get there was one game in South Alabama. I wasn't at, but I was told that his his pitcher out in the pen wasn't quite warm. Uh, so he as he's walking out to the mound, he's got his keys in his pocket, and he drops his keys on the ground and bends over slowly to pick up the keys to kind of. And then the umpire throws him out because he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, that's that's the case example of Corky being Corky, but. He, yeah, he he made a he made a right decision to retire when he did. Uh, his last year was a trip to the College World Series, and and he knew Scott Berry was the right guy to to carry it forward. But but Patrick, you know, he he announced that retirement before they got hot. 
Right. You know, they, right. it was in April, I think, that he said he was going to retire. What do you, what do you remember most about the, uh, the, uh, retirement announcement, you know, in, until they end up in Omaha? It just was, it was like too good to be true what was happening. Yeah, I remember the press conference. He had, you know, he was actually thinking about retiring the year prior, but he he decided that he wanted to hang around for Brian Dozier's uh, last season. Uh, I remember him saying that at the press conference, and you know, that, and that's kind of reflective of, of just how much he thought of Dozier and a lot of the guys that played with him through the years. Uh, he hung around as long as he did because he was loyal to his players and and wanted to make sure they were put in position to succeed. Uh, but yeah, going back to that that year, I mean, it was. <laughs> Every you know you just go up to Corky after every game they win there in the postseason you know I ask, you know I'm trying to get that emotional quote out of Corky he's like coach you know how does it feel and you know after it was you know as they're going to Omaha he's like Patrick how many times are you going to ask me how I feel I feel great so, <laughs> so he just he uh, he didn't really want to kind of be the center of attention when it came to the media uh, he could have easily done that knowing his personality but he wanted to. To kind of just put the the program on the on that pedestal to where he thinks it needs to be, uh, because he was such a loyal Southern Miss guy, he didn't really want it to be about him, uh, but it became about him as they went to the College World Series. Yeah, and last thing for me, I, one thing I do remember about the World Series too is how the other coaches that were in the World Series, how happy they yeah. seemed to be that that Corky Palmer had made it there his last year. Happy for him. Happy for him. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody was you know he. Everybody was that was you know there and got to know Corky. It's a fairly close profession, and uh, like I said, once you meet Corky Palmer, you don't really forget about him. And he always makes an impact on anybody he meets, and and you, you leave you know <laughs> thinking he's a little you know he, he's a little interesting guy, a funny guy, and he just always left a mark. Every you know any group he was in, you knew Corky Palmer was in there. If Skip Burtman and, and Corky Palmer in the room, I'm not sure who you remember more. Uh, exactly. Corky or Skip Bergman. That's that's yeah. kind of just the personality he was. All right, Patrick, that's really good stuff. And uh, I'm sorry that this has happened, obviously, but I'm glad you were on the show today because I know you had a unique uh, perspective of, of working with him. I appreciate you, buddy, and we'll talk about we'll talk about happier things next week. How about that? Yeah, sounds good. All Thanks, right, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, from NOLA.com, who covered, as you heard, the Golden Eagles in their magical 2009 season. Yeah, Corky would always joke with me because I, I always think that the, the main guy on a baseball team is a manager, right? But he was he was called a coach. And I and we talked about that manager-coach thing. So every time he would see me, well, here comes the manager. Here comes the manager. <laughs> Greg Corky Palmer. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Now, don't you forget, you can hear the Super Talk Eagle Hour on a variety of, obviously, Super Talk stations, but you can also hear the podcast every day on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can simply tell Alexa if you have that device to play Super Talk Eagle Hour and uh, 
It'll do it 24-7. This segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill, right in the shadow of the rock. And uh, I guarantee you it's a great time to go down there this weekend, enjoy some good food, some good times, and the place will be rocking once football season starts. In fact, we will be there the Friday before the opening game with Liberty University at 4th Street Bar and Grill, and uh, we look forward to that. All right, we continue our tour around our new home, the Sunbelt Conference. Brant Freeman is the play-by-play voice for Texas State. The Golden Eagles will be traveling uh, out there to play Texas San Marco. Is that correct? San Marco, Texas, uh, to play uh, Texas State. And what are the Golden Eagles going to run into, Brant? What kind of football team are you guys looking to have? Well, I think that both teams would like to have a better idea of who they are by that point in time. I think that'll be the sixth game for the Bobcast that time. So both teams are about the halfway point. So um, what we expect going into the openers for both teams, certainly uh, the two programs will look a lot different, you would think, um, by the time either the two meet each other. That said, uh, you, you get a Texas State team that's um, you know trying to finally break through. It, it's been... It's been a tough transition to the FBS. You know, some of these these programs in Sun Belt made a seamless move up from FCS football to FBS, such as Coastal Carolina, Appalachia State, um, Georgia Southern. Expecting the same from James Madison, and your know, Texas State. The first couple of years actually went fairly well uh, playing FBS football. They went from four wins to six to seven, and uh, kind of felt like they were about to take off. But really, since that seven win year in 2014. Um, it's been a really rough go. They haven't had more than four wins since then, and that was just this past year. Um, so they're looking for this to be a breakout year. You know, for Jake Spavadol, the head coach, this is a, an important year for him. It's year four, you know, trying to guide this team to a winning record, to a bowl game, to contending in the Sunbelt West. Um, offensively, I think they got some really good pieces. Um Highly touted quarterback from Arkansas State, former Sunbelt Freshman of the Year, Lane Hatcher's now in place. Uh, they have two dynamic receivers in Marcel Barbie and Javon Banks. Depth at running back, offensive line is experienced with a big added piece at right tackle. So I think offensively, this could be a really, really good team this year. I think defensively is the question mark. Um, can they establish some playmakers on that side of the football? And Hopefully they will have answered that question by the time the, the Eagles roll in. Well, when you look at the the preseason prognostications, uh, the Eagles and Bobcats are kind of in that same boat, kind of uh, getting asterisks as also rans even in the even in the Western Division. But based on what you said on Coach Spavital, this this probably is a r- r- pivotal year for him. Yes, yeah, I would I would agree with that. You know, um, it, it's year four, you know, for him, and um, you know he. Uh, has yet to have a, a winning record. So certainly, you know, uh, expectations are to, you get for this turnaround to, to, to happen. And, and nobody really accepts that more than, than Jake Spavadol himself. You hear the man talk, and he's very open and transparent. Um, and he'll be the first to tell you that they have f- fell below expectations, you know, and he's fell below his own expectations of himself. Um, but they've done a lot of things to kind of right the ship. You know, there, there's there's now some really good leadership in place between a new university president, a new athletic director who's getting ready for his second full year, uh, coming off a year in which Texas State just won the, the Boogaloo's Cup, the Commissioner's Cup, and the Sun Belt. And the president, Kelly Dampus, you know, uh, has a great track record, actually just came from Arkansas State. Um and so, you know, with the new leadership, some new additions to facilities, 
you know, some new personnel in terms of the players themselves. I think the stars are finally starting to align. Um, and so hopefully, you know, for everyone involved, it finally comes together this year. Well, it sounds like both the Eagles and the Bobcats are lucky to be in the Western Division based on if, if, if everybody's predictions uh, are correct. At least it's good that they're in the West. Yeah, I mean, you, in the East is, is, is really, really good. You know, there's a lot of depth out East. You know, App State, Coastal, you know, uh, Georgia State. Uh, now, now you have, you know, uh, Clay Helton, the Georgia Southern, guiding that program. And then you throw in JMU. Um, Marshall and, and Old Dominion. I mean, there's some good programs over there. Not to say there's bad ones in the West, but there's a lot of work to be done in the West. Louisiana has had a stranglehold over the division since the conference split into divisions. Maybe the craziest stat, guys, of all the stats out there right now is since Louisiana, or since the Sun Belt split into divisions, Louisiana has not lost a West Division game. Perfect in West Division play. Wow. Somebody has to knock them off their throne. Uh, eventually, right? You know, they are the bar that that has to be uh, left over, and so now I'm sure if you're the Eagles, if you're the Bobcats, you know the Jaguars, Trojans, Warhawks, Red Wolves, name a team of the West, you believe you can be that team, uh, but you got to go out there and, and prove it, you know. And, um, and you know, hopefully, you know uh, the gap will will close between the Cajuns and the rest of the West Division, and we can have a very competitive division uh, this coming season. All right, let's get it here with uh, Brant. Brant, um, the uh, Texas State taking kind of the same approach as Southern Miss, all four non-conference games. Uh, that's how you open up Nevada, FIU, uh, money game at Baylor, um, and mm-hmm. then Houston Baptist. I mean, I think there's a good chance you guys could be 2-2 two and two or even 3-1, and one, depending on how N- Nevada goes. And then, uh, man, it, you, you jump right into conference play with with the new kid on the block in in the east James Madison followed up by App State Troy and Southern Miss. I mean that the first eight games of the season uh I mean that that's a tough tough call as you start Sunbelt play but I think you got a chance to get some momentum in, in the non-conference part of the schedule. And that's important too. I think that one of the reasons why the season kind of got away last year was the way the non-conference play ended. You know, Texas State opened at home against Baylor, very competitive game against a team that wound up winning the Sugar Bowl, ended up losing by nine. Uh, but then week two, they go to FIU and they win in overtime. Um, and so you feel like, okay, got a big road win, played Baylor tough, you know, got to finish strong these next two weeks. But then they lost to an FCS team at home in, in Incarnate Word uh, against a team led by a quarterback, uh, Cam Moore, who's now at Washington State, very good player. Um, and then they go to Eastern Michigan and got blown out. Um, and so they're kind of limping into Sunbelt play. And while they won the conference opener, they, they gave up a late lead in, in game two uh, of league play, and then kind of things just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and so, so, you, you, so not conference play is important in the sense of building momentum towards Sunbelt play. You got to stay healthy, you got to play well to build confidence. And if they can get out of the first, let's say, six games, three and three, four and two, um, I think they'll be in really good shape. If you kind of flip that record from four and two to two and four, it could be tough. Get Louisiana at home. Get Arkansas State at home. Got to go to Mobile, and as I just mentioned, uh, you get App State at home and 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 go to Troy. Other than uh, you know, you you talk some about about the defense. Who do you expect uh, you know on the Texas State squad? I guess what position wise to be really good, and nobody thinks they're going to be that good right now. 
Well, I think the position that's going to be really good, but I think others would agree, would be wide receiver. I think that they're, they're really, really good when it comes to receiver, and it, I think it could be a standout position for them. But, but one that I think is flying under the radar is uh, linebacker. They, they moved one of their defensive ends to outside rush backer Jordan Rebels, um, who was at Sunbelt Media Day a couple of weeks back. I think the move is really going to benefit him, a chance to make plays off the edge, a chance to get after opposing quarterbacks. And there was kind of a star rising through the defense last year, Isaiah Nixon, at that uh, rush position. So the, the Bobcats run kind of a 3-3-5 at times, 3-4 defense. And so those outside backers are very important to setting the edge, containing the outside run, getting after the opposing quarterbacks. I think they got two really good players capable of doing that. Um, but I don't think they're being talked about a whole lot right now. Well, Brett, so, the Golden Eagles are coming there, so it kind of set the stage for us a little bit. What's game day atmosphere like at Texas State when it comes to football? Tailgating is great. We have one of the best tailgate scenes really in the Sun Belt, but you know, the issue can be of getting, fa- getting fans, you know, and, and namely some of the student body, from the tailgate into the actual stadium. Um, so you'd hope by that game, if the Bobcats are playing well, I think you'll see that in the stands. If they're not, it certainly could affect attendance. But uh, the tailgate scene is great. Not before is great as well. There's great nightlife in San Marcos. Um, people also tend to venture out either north and 35 to Austin or south to San Antonio. Um, so, I mean, this is a, a, a great college town with a lot to do just on the edge of it as well. Um, this is a really, really good location. Bob, I will I will most likely be on the square the night before the game there in San Marcos. And I'm sure the fans of Texas State just can't wait. <laughs> well, I'll be directing traffic, so to speak, you know, for everybody. Hey, Grant, we appreciate you very much, man. We're excited about being in the new league, and I look forward to watching the Golden Eagles come out your way this year. Absolutely. When you guys come to town, be sure to come over and say hello. All right. Brent Freeman, everybody, is the play-by-play voice of Texas State. The Bobcats, is that right? Former former coach uh, Dennis Francione, remember, he used to coach at TCU and, mm-hmm. and Alabama, I think was, was one of, as they made the transition to the... 40,000 students. Wow, wasn't that crazy? I think what Southern Miss is, what, 16,000? Maybe, maybe. 15, like more like it, yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll be back, wrap this uh, edition of the show up. segment on this Thursday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, dbathattiesburg.com. Luke Johnson, Kelly Center, Bob Getty from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Football back out at this morning. Kelly, 96 plays, you said, huh? Yeah, Will Hall, I mean, that, that practice, you know, Will talked about the old days of two-a-day practices, but he said they get more done in the two-and-a-half hours because nobody's standing around. They got 96 snaps, 11 on 11 this morning, and more on that later. One of the big deals about that is they can actually, you know, run three full deep 
teams out there right. on either side of the ball, exactly. which is uh, which is pretty pretty wild. A couple news and notes: um, former Southern Miss track and field and cross country runner Victoria. Hop passed away uh, peacefully after a, a courageous three-year battle with cancer. She was only 25 years old, guys. Uh, Coach John Stewart, we're saddened by the loss of Victoria, and we'll remember her for the wonderful person she was. Our thoughts and prayers are with the uh, the Hop family. Uh, Victoria was a member of the first ever Conference USA uh, Women's Outdoor Conference Championship in 2018. So a uh, celebration of her life will take place um, in a couple weeks in Miami, Florida. Way, so, uh, way too young. Yeah. Guys, uh, speaking of uh, a big night tonight, Major League Baseball set to, uh, to do the second uh, Field of Dreams game. It's my Chicago Cubs taking on the Cincinnati Reds tonight um, in Dyersville, Iowa. And y'all tell me. Who got the call up to the show that's going to take part in this game? Chucky. <laughs> Chucky Robinson. How awesome is that? He gets the call to the show, and it will be for the Field of Dreams game tonight. Man, our Southern Miss guys have really had some luck as far as that goes. When Kirk McCarty got called up, his first assignment was, uh, oh, yeah, pitching at Yankee Stadium. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, got called up a second time and pitched at Fenway, and now Chucky gets to play in the – Field of Dreams game, just six miles from where my mother was born in Graff, Iowa. Really a neat place up there in uh, in Dyersville, right in the heart of farm country. And I understand they're getting ready to build a bunch of Little League fields there to have like national tournaments, um, national youth tournaments surrounding this, uh, this whole Field of Dreams game and whatnot. So it's getting to be quite an economic boost for Northeast Iowa. 6.15 tonight on Fox. Uh, I'll be cheering for the Cubs, but of course, uh, pretty awesome to see. Uh, Chucky out there for for the Reds. We continue to remember uh, the life of for, former Southern Miss baseball head coach Corky Palmer. And guys, uh, just to, to hear that voice uh, a couple more times, I, I found um, I found these these clips. This first one is immediately following the super regional win at Florida, and you can uh, it's it's classic Corky Palmer. These kids worked so hard. They never gave in tonight. It got it looked tough for a while. We never gave in. Our, you know, just great accomplishment for our baseball program. Have you ever been in Nebraska? I went in 2005, and I told Mike Lentoy I'd never come back unless I brought a team. So I'm going back. Going back to Omaha, and uh, when he got to Omaha, one of the uh, the press conferences leading up to that, this is what Coach Palmer had to say. The guys decided that that they were going to get it done, and uh, we come a tough way through Georgia Tech, through Florida. But we're excited. Uh, we're playing well right now, and uh, people are going to be surprised how many fans from the University of Southern Mississippi are in those stands. Where there's a will, there's a way. And I always said, why not Southern Miss? Why not Southern Miss? That uh, that kind of uh, you know comprises who. He was, uh, as a coach and, and as a leader, we will sure miss him. Yeah, what a great ambassador for the university. And, guys, did you notice those Southern Miss fans in the background in that first soundbite? Uh, they were pretty riled up, I think. And isn't it, uh, isn't it a shame that in baseball and basketball, Southern Miss, why not Southern Miss? But in football, I would argue that whether it's Southern Miss or Georgia Southern or South Alabama, if they go 13-0, and 0, they're not going to get to play for a national championship. And that championship. right there is the shame of college football, I believe. I agree. 
one, one thing for uh, for our listeners to know, Mississippi Today, Rick Cleveland wrote an excellent article and uh, pretty cool. At one point, the Clevelands, Tim Floyd, and Corky Palmer were all neighbors in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. That's a crew right there. Well, there'll never be another Coach Palmer, and we had some good times with him on this show, and we certainly had some good times with his players telling some of the Corky Palmer stories. They're just uh, they're unbelievable. And when Scott Barry had talked earlier about how coaches impact these kids, you know, it shouldn't be that way necessarily. You should remember who your eighth grade English teacher was, or you should remember who your homeroom teacher was in the sixth grade. But people just don't. But you ask them, who was your little league coach? Who was right. your softball coach? They know. Right. Real quickly, one of my favorite stories, one of the players told us he was a pitcher, not pitching well, team hitting a lot of line drives. Coach Palmer makes his way out to the mound. The pitcher goes, but coach, I'm not tired. And coach looks at him and says, I know you're not tired, son, but hell, the outfielders are worn out from chasing down line drives. They're exhausted. The The great Corky Palmer, and uh, we hope he rests in peace, and uh, we certainly wish the best for, for his family. All right, we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To to the the top. Mississippi Media Production.